0: Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. I want to continue this morning with part three of our series uh, that we're in. It's entitled Back to the Basics, where we're simply spending some time getting back to the basics of what it really means to be a follower of Christ. Uh... We last looked at the word disciple and what it means to actually be a disciple, not just call ourselves a disciple. Today, I want to look, uh, take a closer look at a different word, and that word is ambassador. The Bible says, uh, specifically in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors. Ambassadors. Now, how many of you uh, are old enough? You've been in the Assemblies of God long enough. You actually remember when the youth group uh, was called CAs, Christ Ambassadors, and you actually remember that old song, "We Are Christ Ambassadors." Blah 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 blah. I forget the words. The <laughs> uh, back in the good old days, man, when uh, our youth group went from age like 13 to 30. I mean, it was nutty. I mean. I remember when I first went into CAs, into the youth group, you know, I was in uh, going into my freshman year, and I was like, why are all these adults in here, you know, because it went up to age 30. But anyway, we've gotten a little better at, at breaking up our, uh, our age brackets there. But we are called to be Christ's ambassadors, so that we need to answer that question, what is an ambassador, right? I looked it up. According to Webster's ambassador, one who is sent out on a mission to build relationships. You know, there's all kinds of ambassadors. There's political ambassadors, economic ambassadors, goodwill ambassadors, cultural ambassadors. The Bible's telling us that there are also spiritual ambassadors. And if we're followers of Christ, the Bible is saying that we're ambassadors for him in this world. So what I want to do this morning is look at uh, three things, basically, the role of an ambassador, the responsibilities of an ambassador, and the rewards for being an ambassador. So let's start with number one here. What is my role as an ambassador? As an ambassador, I am God's representative in this world. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad, right? You don't have to shout me down on that. But to fully understand that we are God's representatives in this world, there's something that is incredibly uh, important that we have to have a a very solid grasp on, and that is this truth. We absolutely must know the difference between our calling and our career. Sometimes people get this mixed up. There's a difference between our career, our vocation, our calling in life. And we need to know the difference between our job and our vocation. A lot of people think those two words are synonymous. In reality, there's, they're not. Listen to Webster's uh, definition of vocation. A summons or strong inclination to a particular state or course of action, especially a divine call to the religious life, such as priesthood or religious order. So in other words, what that's saying is maybe you work at Taco Bell, but you have not been called to work at Taco Bell. You might work at USAA or you might be in the military, but that is not your actual calling in life. There is a difference between our vocation or our calling and our careers. You know, we have missionaries all over the world that go into these countries kind of disguised as something else. Many of them of our missionaries are kind of disguised as English teachers or medical personnel, but they don't try to enter these countries calling themselves missionaries or they'd never get in. But the truth of the matter is they are, in fact, missionaries first and then kind of whatever they've disguised themselves as secondly. So it brings up a pretty interesting question for all of us, which is what have we disguised ourselves as? What are we disguised as? If you're really a follower of Jesus, then your first calling is to be an ambassador for him. But maybe you're disguised in this life as, as a nurse or, or a truck driver, maybe a salesperson, maybe you've disguised yourself as a stay at home mom. And that's fine, unless you're a man, and then there's some other issues involved that we ought to talk about. <laughs> But it could be anything, but whatever it is, we need to know that's not your calling in life. That's simply your job right now. 2 Timothy 1.9, we read this, For God saved us and called us to a holy life. Notice that it says, He has called us to this. I did uh, some research, and uh, here's what the Bible says. That we are called to do. This is a list I came up with. Romans 1.9, we're called to be his people. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, that's Romans 1.7. 1 7. First Corinthians 1.9, we're called to be in fellowship with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.19, we are called to share the message of salvation and reconciliation. Galatians 5.13, we're called to serve one another. 1 Peter 2.21, we're called to suffer for Christ. That excites you this morning, right? 1 Peter 3.9, we're called to bless those who curse us and do evil against us. We're called to do that. 2 Corinthians 2.14, we're called to share in His glory through salvation. That is your calling. It's not your job. That is your calling. If we're followers of Jesus, we're called to. To represent him. We've been given this mission. To build relationships with people. In order to share Jesus with them. How are we doing as ambassadors? It's a calling in our life. Or do we leave that to the professional ambassadors? No it's for each and every one of us. We are all in a sense, professional ambassadors because God has ordained it in each and every one of us. And if we really are ambassadors of Christ, people need to see a difference in our life. Amen? We shouldn't be blending in with the crowd. As a matter of fact, we probably ought to be sticking out like a sore thumb and they want to know what is the matter with you and then we tell them. Right? Right? Jesus said this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So we need to remember that we represent Christ wherever we go. When you leave the house in the morning, we need to remember who we represent. When you get lousy service at the restaurant, you got to remember who you represent. When you're in traffic and people are doing crazy stuff, we have to remember who we represent. When someone has 23 items in the 10 item or less line, we have to remember who we Got to do it. Amen? Got to do it. <laughs> Anyone want to guess which one of these I really have an issue with? And <clears throat> it's like, do we know how to count? <laughs> Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. We've all been called to represent Jesus in this very short life that we have here on planet Earth. Secondly, as an ambassador, I have a mission. An ambassador is always given a mission. Jesus has a mission for each of us. As a matter of fact, in John seventeen eighteen, Jesus said this, Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. That's us. We're the them. The moment you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, He gives you a mission. The biggest part of that mission is to be an ambassador and represent Him well. You know, of all the missions that people are on, the most important mission in the world is to help People meet God and determine their eternal destiny because we're all only going to be on this earth a very short time on average 70 to possibly 90 some years and that's if we are very very fortunate I just found out this morning Esther Gunnels just celebrated her 91st birthday man I hope I've got that kind of energy when I'm 81 (laughs) 71 (laughs) happy birthday Esther 91 and still going strong. I like that, don't you? At church almost every Sunday at 91. Don't call me with your feeble excuses Why you. <laughs> well, Pastor Doug, I got this uh, hangnail and I just don't know if I'm gonna be 91 here almost every Sunday. I I I like that. So The apostle Paul's attitude was that he didn't care about his own life. The most important thing to him was completing this mission that God had for him, and that was telling others about Jesus, about being an ambassador. And at the end of his life, Paul said that he had finished his race. He had completed his mission. He had done what God had asked him to do. Will you be able to stand before God one day and honestly say, I completed my mission? So the Bible says that not only am I to represent Jesus and that I have a mission to complete, it also tells me this. This brings us to the third point. As an ambassador, I have the authority to speak. This is very important. Sometimes people have a real lack of confidence when it comes to talking about their relationship with God. They get all timid. They can scream their head off at the football game, talk about Jesus, they just all quiet up. And it's very easy for people to, to feel timid and hesitant. You know, they'll say, well, I, I, I don't know what to say. Well, shame on us if we don't know what to say. That's our, that's our fault. That's not God's fault. So, you know, it, it, it's bad to use an excuse when it directly points to you being in fault. It's like if you don't show up for work one day and the next day you're like, well, where were you? Oh, I'll tell you, yesterday I, I just didn't feel like coming to work. Oh, all right. Well, I understand that perfectly. Anyone ever use that excuse? You know, I just didn't really feel like it. No, uh, we always come up with something, but it's not, well, I just didn't feel like it. But really, that's what we're telling God when we're saying, you know, when it comes to sharing my faith, I, I don't know what to say. We should know what to say, right? I don't know for sure how to say it. I'm not a professional speaker. But God tells us that as ambassadors, we are fully authorized and commissioned to speak about Him. He not only authorizes us, but He will empower us to speak on His behalf. We don't have an excuse. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. "...therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." Right at the end of second service today, we get to the, the joy and the thrill of, of baptizing a few individuals. That's yeah. Pastors, man, we love to do that. So what is it that we call that verse right there? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We call it the Great Commission. It is our co-mission. The Great Commission wasn't given just to pastors or missionaries. It is, in fact, given to every single one of us. It's our commission from God. One day we'll stand before Him and He'll say something like, did you fulfill the commission that I gave you? I gave you full authority to speak on my behalf. You know, there is is a $100 word that you may or may not be familiar with. And the word is this, plenipotentiary. Any any of you ever work that one into a sentence? Plenipotentiary. Raise your hand if that's the first time in your life you've ever heard that word. Wow, look around. Plenipotentiary. Plenipotentiary is a diplomatic word. And here's what it means. It means full power and fully authorized. As an ambassador of this nation, I am a plenipotentiary to the country I've been assigned. There, I I put it in a complete sentence for you. I don't know if it's completely accurate, but I put it in a sentence. A plenipotentiary is someone who is authorized to represent a government and can make deals without having to check back with somebody else. They can negotiate on behalf of a nation without having to say, Well, I'm going to have to get back with you on that one. During the Revolutionary War, both John Adams and Benjamin Franklin were plenipotentiaries to France and England. They could authorize treaties without getting back with Congress or anyone else. That's how much power they were given. And historically speaking, there, there's another word for people who have that type of power. They're called ministers. Now, in America, when we hear the word minister, we think of a pastor or a missionary, or, you know. But around the world, a minister is usually a plenipotentiary. England has a prime minister. They have a minister of defense. Here we say president. We might say secretary of defense. But the Bible is teaching us that we're all ministers of, of Jesus Christ. We have been authorized to speak about Jesus, to represent him uh, as an ambassador. And we're not only authorized to speak about him, but we have actually been assigned that mission. And here's the one other thing you need to know about being An ambassador. One of the main purposes of ambassadors is to be sent to foreign countries to represent your nation or your country. So, as an ambassador of Christ, you need to realize this you are living in a foreign land. Maybe you don't look at it that way, but the truth is if you're a follower of Christ, his word says your home is not here. Your real home awaits you in heaven. You're just on a very short term assignment right now. That being the case, none of us should ever get too comfortable with this place. It's not our permanent home, right? We are just kind of passing through. We're here on a very short term ambassador's mission. TDY. (laughs) It's military people. So there's so many people today, though, who are, they're only concerned about the here and now. They live by the, the motto, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can and forget the rest. You know, there's another, there's another popular saying that I've heard, you know, the one who dies with the most toys wins. Have you ever heard, have you heard that saying? He who dies with the most toys wins. I'm telling you, that is absolutely not true. Couldn't be further from the truth. Here's the truth the one with the most toys does not win, he just dies like everybody else. That is the truth. Yes, he had a lot of toys. Secondly, he's dead. End of story, right? Your net worth and your self-worth have absolutely nothing in common. Don't get caught up in the things of this world. We're just, we're not even real citizens here. As Christians, we're just kind of passing through. We're all just living here on a green card, right? Heaven is our real home. We're here on temporary assignments. Have you ever wondered why after you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, why God doesn't just kind of whisk you up to heaven right then? I mean, that's where we're going to end up anyway, right? So, you know, with all the sin and the suffering, the corruption, the sadness, all the temptations we have to face, why, God, why leave us down here 20, 40, 70 years when you could just take us right up to heaven? I mean... Once we've accepted him, why God, why leave us down here to deal with all the junk we have to deal with? Anybody ever pondered thoughts like that? Well, after some thought, here's the answer that I have arrived at. You know, there's going to be an untold number of incredible and exciting uh, things to do in heaven. An endless list. The Bible says, the lion will even lay down with the lamb. That means we... Apparently, we'll be able to just sit right down next to a big old lion and just pet it and it'll purr. I love animals, so I find that very intriguing. The thought of being able to do that without, you know, getting your arm bit off or something sounds very, very intriguing to me. But the truth is that there's two things we will not be able to do in heaven. The first thing we won't be able to do is sin, because heaven's going to be a perfected place. And the second thing we will not be able to do in heaven is we will not be able to be an ambassador to an unbeliever. So knowing that, does that help you figure out why God may chooses to leave us on this planet for a while? Because that's our role as an ambassador. We've all been given this mission to tell others about Jesus. We all need to remember that we're, uh, we're all on temporary assignment, and this is not our home. So I want to kind of wrap this portion up, or don't get too excited. Begin to wrap it up. Just don't start putting your shoes back on and looking at your watch. Three things that God wants us to do as an ambassador. The first thing is, we have to be an example. I must be an example. As Christians, we should be setting the example for others around us. We should be the ones influencing the world, right? If the world is doing a better job of influencing people than we are, then we're not being good ambassadors. Does that answer the question of why the world is in the shape it's in? So many Christians haven't really been fulfilling their role As an ambassador, they've just been kind of laying back. God wants us to be representatives of His love, His joy, His peace, His patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, meekness, and self-control. Sometimes we do, and sometimes we blow it, right? You represent Christ, and you may be the only Christ that some people are ever going to see. What kind of Jesus are they seeing in you? If Jesus were in the 10 item or less line, and the guy in front of him has 30 items, is Jesus going to say, Pal, are you just stupid or what? No, he's not. Are we apt to do that? Possibly. Hopefully not. But boy, the temptation is there, isn't it? You could never see Jesus do it. He just loved that person. Boy, it, it takes a lot to be that kind of an ambassador, doesn't it? Someone Here's a quote I, I heard. I don't remember who said this. As an ambassador of Christ, you're either a Bible or a libel. Did you catch it? You're either a Bible or a liable. In other words, you either make God look good, or you make God look bad. Maybe you just need to quit telling people you're a Christian, because it's just kind of giving it a black eye. And I'm sure you know there are plenty of people who claim to be Christians that oftentimes make God look bad. That's, I mean, they're mean, they're cranky, they're selfish, and sometimes they're the pastor. Not always. That is a bad thing, isn't it? Jesus said that if we cause someone to stumble, we'd be better off having this giant millstone tied around our neck and thrown into the deepest sea. That's a pretty serious comment right there. I don't remember where I heard this quote either, but it has always stuck with me. There's only two reasons that someone rejects Christ. One is they've never met a Christian, and two, they have. Did you catch that one? Okay. So some people, you know, see these types of Christians, and and they say, man, if that's what Jesus is all about, I don't want any part of that. I'm telling you, if we claim to be Christian, then we have to realize that people are watching our life. You may not realize it. I'm telling you, it is an absolute fact. If you, have, if you claim to be a Christian, people at your job, at school, wherever you're at, they are keeping an eye on you just to see what kind of ambassador you're being. The second responsibility we have as an ambassador is We have to share the message. I mean, this is kind of what we're talking about. I must share the message. I don't think it's an accident that all down through human history, ambassadors have been used and sent into nations to negotiate uh, peace, to bring reconciliation between warring countries. It's not an accident that God uses this term to describe his followers. We've been sent to help those who are in conflict and find peace with God. We've been given a message that says Jesus ends our war with God. Have you ever thought about the fact that you are at war with God until you make peace with him? That's the truth. A lot of people don't even realize they're in the middle of a war. You know, some people might say, what are you talking about? I'm not at war with God. Well, here's where the war takes place. It takes place in your heart. And in your mind. And the war is all about who is actually going to govern your life. You or God. That's where the war is taking place. And it's that particular conflict or war that causes most of the problems in our lives. As long as we fight with God over who's going to call the shots in our life, we're going to have some trouble. Just take it to the bank. We have to call a truce at some point, and we have to decide to surrender to God. Put Him in charge, and what do we call that? We call that salvation. When we do that, God saves us, and He commissions us to tell others about Him. As ambassadors, we are authorized to share the message. I think The week before last, I said, the only reason you're a Christian today is because somebody told you about Jesus and somebody told that person that told you about Jesus so and the question becomes is the, are you going to let the chain break with you something to ponder right we are authorized to share the message with people how many of you have ever bought a car from a car dealer that little game that we have to play, you know, between the salesman and the sales manager, that is a real love-hate relationship with me. I I love the challenge, I hate the hassle, but I love the challenge. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know this game, right? You find a, a vehicle that you really like, and that's when the game starts. The salesman says, you know what? Let's go in, let's sit down and talk about, and we'll see. Let me show you what we can do for you. And then you sit down at his little desk, and he scribbles a number out on a piece of paper, and he kind of slides that across the table, and he's got this look on his face like the angels should start shouting for praises when you see this number. And what he's really doing, at that that point, they're just trying to find out if P.T. Barnum was right, and in fact, there is a sucker born every minute. And apparently there are people, uh, that, or they wouldn't do it, that must say, well, yeah, that looks good. Let's do it. <laughs> Most people don't do that, right? No, as soon as you see that, all that number, you, now it's your turn to participate. And you, <gasps> you act like you're about to have a heart attack. And you say, oh, my goodness, we are a mile apart on this deal. I don't think I'm going to be able to buy this car. And you just act like you're getting ready to stand up. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Just wait a minute. Let me go talk to the sales manager. And then he disappears off into that black hole of space and time where no other humans are ever allowed. And you just sit there at the little desk. That's what you do. And you wait. I mean, it's like he's off to see the wizard, you know. <laughs> and you're, you just get to sit there and wait. And then he comes back and he's all excited because, man, the managers decide to almost give this thing away. And then he writes in there. He slides across, and this whole thing just keeps going back and forth. You know, you say no, he disappears. He comes back until you get to where you finally feel you've got him at the bottom dollar. But during all this, you're usually you're wishing you could just go straight and talk to the guy who is actually authorized to make the deals. But there is no direct access to this person. Doesn't exist. But here's the great thing about being an ambassador for Christ. When it comes to offering someone uh, someone God's salvation, you are fully authorized to close the deal right there on the spot. You don't have to keep going back and forth. Man, you are authorized. You can tell someone, look, I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I'm a plenipotentiary. You can throw that word in. They'll be very impressed. Which means that I am fully authorized to offer you this incredible plan of salvation in the name of Jesus. And I don't have to go get it approved with anybody. I've been authorized to share it with you. And the offer is, you tell them, here's the deal, all of your past sins get forgiven and forgotten You get a purpose for living an eternal home in heaven, and God promises to even help you in this life until he brings you home. All you have to do is confess your sins and claim him Lord and Savior in your life. That's the deal you can offer. You don't have to check with anybody. You are an ambassador. You have been authorized to speak on his behalf and to make the deal. That's kind of exciting, don't you think? And finally, the third thing we have to do as an ambassador, we have to show love. I must show love. Why should an ambassador of Jesus have to show love to everyone? Well, it's because God is love. So showing anything but love to others is not representing Jesus because God is love. So what are the best ways for me to show people love? Well, we show people love by helping meet needs when we are, 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 are able to. When you help someone with a little project or offer them some assistance, give them a ride, anything of a practical nature, you're showing love to people. Look for way, If you'll just look for ways to show love to people, you'll find it every single day. Wasn't long ago, I was at, coming out of Sam's, and there's this guy struggling to get this big old box loaded into the back of his truck, and I just, hey, man, let me give you a hand, and I, you know, helped him put it in. Did I lead him in a, a salvation prayer? No, but I was able to show some love. The key is to just keep your eyes open, and you'll see it all around you, opportunity to show love. The key is being loving and helpful all the time, not just when you're at church. A good ambassador knows that sometimes he's got to get out of the embassy. Amen. If you're only good when he's in if he's only good when he's in the embassy, nobody on the outside knows a thing about it. So if all of your Christian life is spent inside the church, then not really being an ambassador, right? Show love by giving respect. As an ambassador of Christ, you're not allowed to show disrespect to others because God has great value on every person he created. It doesn't matter who they are or what they've done. God loves them and cares for them as much as he does you. Sometimes we have a hard time remembering that because there's some mean, nasty, rotten people in the world, right? And we just forget, oh yeah, God loves them too. We forget it because we know we're not really capable of of having that kind of love. Not on our own, not without God. It's impossible. So when we get attacked, we don't attack back, right? That's what I heard from up here. Okay. We represent Jesus and his command to bless those who curse us, right? You're real excited about this, eh? We show love by building bridges with people. 1 Corinthians 9.22, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. You know, you might be talking to someone that's of a completely different culture or race, different political party. Those aren't hard to find. Just get on Facebook, right? A different religion, just a completely different, you know, kind of lifestyle that you have. Whatever the case is, God says we need to look for an area of common ground. We have to build some sort of bridge toward God with them. And by the way, here's how you know if you have successfully built a bridge. You ready? You'll know you've built a successful bridge when you get walked on. And we don't all enjoy that, right? But hey, that's how you'll know you've built a bridge. Most people build walls because they refuse to be walked on, but an ambassador builds bridges. Build a bridge of love and respect to everyone that you meet so that Jesus is able to walk right across that bridge you've built and meet that person. So we've looked at the role and responsibilities of an ambassador. I'm going to close with the rewards of an ambassador. Our reward for being a good ambassador is God's provision on earth and His unspeakable, many people foolishly conclude wait, await us. That's the reward. It's sad that so many people foolishly conclude that because they're living here on earth, that right now earth is their home, but we know that it isn't. The Bible is so clear that this world is not our home and we shouldn't get too cozy in it although we do enjoy having the air conditioning in here on Sunday mornings, right? Don't make your life all about you and indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. God doesn't want us to get too attached to the things of this world because it's all so temporary. He who dies with the most toys had a lot of toys, but now he's just dead also. It's like rented furniture. It's all going back at some point. We actually, Janet and I knew some people several years ago that built this really incredible home. This wasn't here. It was up in Illinois. Built this incredible home, but they couldn't afford to fill it with furniture. They would, whenever they had parties or gatherings, they would rent furniture to bring into the house. And we just, we, I mean... We were a lot younger, but even then we had the wisdom to think this is just nuts. Can you believe it? It's all going back at some point, right? So don't fall in love with all this stuff because you're not taking it with you. It's all going back. Here's something I think is important to know. Not all discomfort and dissatisfaction in life is a bad thing. I think God allows a certain amount of discontentment in our lives so we don't get too attached to the things of this world. I don't think we'll ever feel feel completely fulfilled and content on this earth because it is not our home. A fish wouldn't be happy living on land any more than an eagle would be if it couldn't fly, right? We won't ever feel completely satisfied on earth because we've been made, we've been created for something so much greater. You'll have some very happy and exciting and fun moments here on earth, but it's nothing compared to what God has planned for us. And when we realize that our life on this earth is just a fleeting moment that, that could radically change at any time, you know, the driving force behind every decision that we make should be based on eternal values, not temporary values. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He had a great quote. He said, All that is not eternal is eternally useless. That's a pretty bold statement. But it's so incredibly true, right? Anything that is not eternal is really eternally useless. A wonderful and abundant life has nothing to do with material prosperity or popularity. I love this old story of a missionary who was returning to America. Uh, This was years ago. He was on the same ship as the president of the United States. I believe it was Woodrow Wilson. The ship came into port. The crowds were there all lined up to cheer and welcome the president who'd been gone just, you know, a few weeks. As the missionary got off the ship, nobody said a word to him about the years he had spent giving of his life to improve the life of others abroad. And feeling a little bit sorry for himself, the missionary kind of complained to God. Have you ever done that? You kind of complained to God a little bit, let him know how you really feel. And he kind of complained about the lack of uh, fanfare for his coming home. And everyone's out there cheering the president. He's been gone three years or three months. I've been gone 30 years and no one says a thing. And he says that's when God spoke right into his thought. He said, well, here's the difference. You are not home yet. That's the difference. I've got a feeling that none of us are going to be in heaven for more than a few seconds before we realize or we begin to wonder why we ever place so much importance on the stuff and all of the junk down here on planet Earth. We'll think, why did I ever waste so much time and energy on all of that stuff that didn't last? Whenever life gets tough, we all need to remember that this isn't our home But we'll be home pretty soon. Amen? You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.